What is happening, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you very much for turning, tuning in to part two with my buddy Kyle Rara. And if you didn't check out part one, stop this right now. Go back, check it out if you're streaming this because uh, we're laying the foundation for what we're going to get into and what we are talking about today on this New Year's Eve 2022 is that adversity oftentimes shows us inadvertently what we are capable of, what we can get through. And and to each of you, to uh, Kyle and I sitting here, adversity means different things. It could be stubbing your toe. Or it could be, you know, a, a, a relationship change. It could be a choice we made that really put us in a direction we weren't necessarily uh, thinking about. But with Kyle, junior year, high school, he gets in a gnarly car accident. And it ends up really, I mean, it brought us closer together when we first sat down and talked about it. The first time you were in studio with me, I had no idea. I had no idea. And that's another thing. People have no idea. They'll look at your life and be like, oh, yeah, you know, parents are supportive. He lived in a good house. He went to school. He did this. Oh, he's got no problem. No problems. And you cannot, for lack of a better analogy, judge a book always by its cover. So you're in this gnarly accident. Mm -hmm. You're you're on – Pain meds because of of injuries you've had causes your pupils to get big. Rumors start in school. Kyle's a junkie. Kyle's this. Kyle's that. It has an effect on you. So you do what a lot of people do. A lot of us do. We'll pull in 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 in, in like uh, you know almost as a, a security measure mm-hmm. to try to protect ourselves. So you you do you immediately go back to school like the next day following the accident? Surprisingly, yes. So I went back the following day. I went to the hospital after the accident just for check for uh, internal bleeding and kind of see what else is going on and um uh, you know magically I was I had a couple uh bruises on my chest, a couple cuts. Um, I knew I had a throbbing headache and uh, pain, uh, like I mentioned earlier, from the whiplash. And um, they gave me meds. They said, you're good. And they sent me home. And um, I was actually, which is kind of funny, it shows like the type of student I was. I was more bummed about missing the day of school because I had perfect attendance. <laughs> than the, uh, <laughs> then like coming back the next day and they're like, well, there goes my streak. It's gone. Like, yeah. <laughs> But I, I totally yeah. resonate with that because when yeah. I was going to school, if you, it was like if you missed no days, you didn't have to take your final exam. Exactly. If you missed one day, yeah, yeah. you know, it was that kind right. of a thing. So I don't want to miss any days because right. I don't want to take the exam. Right. <laughs> that same, exactly. That same thing. And um, yeah, it was like, it really kind of like set me back a few. And, um, you know, kind of later on, it was uh, trying to like really navigate like what had happened because I was just kind of like pushing it to the side and like, yeah, that hurt. Um, I had to get, you know, rides to school and everything like that. My car was smashed in pretty good. And, um, you know, the following day telling people what happened, they're like, oh, well, you look okay. And, you know, like, no, don't worry about it. And, um, you know, kind of time the school year went on and um, I just kind of became more and more reserved and kind of lost the people who I thought were my friends. And um, because I didn't know how to, you know, how to communicate what I had been through. And, uh, you know, fast forward to senior year and I'm just 100 percent focused on school. I wasn't really thinking about, you know, friendships at the time and because um, I lost all the essential people that I um, just people I could go through and during that, that high school time. And 
um, you know, I graduate from high school with honors, and um, I was like, okay, now I let's start the groundwork for, for college. And um, so I went to uh, Lansing Community College, get the prereqs out of the way. I didn't know what I wanted to do, truthfully. And um, the whole thing that was in, instilled in me and kind of like what I was being told on a regular basis was, oh, you're going to college, or you're going to gain like the freshman 15, you're going to put on all this weight from like this lifestyle change. And I've been an athlete my entire life, and there was just no way that that was going to be, um, I was going to be under that narrative, so to speak. Um, and so much so that it, I started to restrict my eating, my eating habits, and okay, I had breakfast, but I'll, I won't have lunch today, I'll have a big dinner later. And it later turned into, oh, I'll just have a slice of toast with peanut butter on it, and then that'll sustain me to dinner time, and then it became, it progressed more and more. and. Um, I developed an eating disorder. I lost about 35 pounds my first semester of uh, Lansing Community College and um, went into my next, uh, like the spring semester, and um, I had a physical, kind of broke down like what I was experiencing, and doctor's like, yeah, like you shouldn't be in school right now. Like school will be there. You need to focus on your health. Like you're not in good shape mentally or physically to be taking on that. Um, and, you know, going back to like I'm, I'm – student like being known as a good student and kind of like being very like regimented and um i wanted to go to school and i wanted to get a degree and it felt like at the time that this doctor's like yeah you're not going to school like that's out of the picture and um like that's something you can revisit later and um so i ended up kind of withdrawing from the spring semester and i went to end up going to an outpatient clinic out in uh, ann arbor michigan at st joe's um made it four days and they kind of like I was in like a support group where you're kind of talking with other people of similar kind of uh, similar issues that they're experiencing, kind of like a support group setting. And uh, at the time, it was February. Uh, yeah, like February 15th. And at that time, especially here in Michigan, it snows pretty good and the roads are icy. And I'm I told my parents, I don't care. I'm not driving. I will, you know, get a Lyft or Uber or whatever it was at the time. And um I'll take the let's bus like I didn't I didn't care and uh, one morning my mom walks into my bedroom she's like I have a meeting today I won't be able to drive you um, you're gonna have to drive yourself unfortunately and um, so I ended up you know got my car and I'm like white knuckling the steering wheel all the way um, I missed my exit I was supposed to take like US 23 and like M14 they kind of split mm -hmm. I took M14 I was supposed to take US 23 to Getty's Road and then I just completely like started sweating profusely um, because of the snowfall. There was snow on a stop sign. I didn't see it. And I had an old car without ABS brakes at the time. And I saw it last second and slammed on the brakes and like literally just slid through an intersection. I get to I finally make it to outpatient and I'm like sweating and told them I can't do this anymore. And um, I had a mental breakdown. And then uh, I later went inpatient that same day um and then that's kind of like where the story kind of like it gets in, into the kind of like the deeper aspects of of being in that environment and inpatient treatment is um the magnitude magnitude of it is very high and the stuff that i kind of witnessed in there was um it was a lot to kind of process to was say it least. was it challenging when you knew you needed help, because so many of us have a hard time asking for help, right? was that challenging for you? That was, at the time, until um, 
leading up to that moment and then getting admitted. And it was just like, well, this is as low as it gets. Um, and then later seeing, like, you know, being in um, a hospital gown, they gave me a little sandwich to eat to try to, like, you know, like, I had some nurses talking to me, like, trying to get me to calm down. And uh, later, like, I just look down the, the hallway and I see my parents coming. And they were very, like, it was so refreshing because they were, like, very calm. They're just kind of like, we'll get through this. It wasn't like, you know, you know, just dust it off, get back in there type of thing. It was, they were very understanding, very, um, they just showed empathy for the times and they were, um, yeah, I'll, I'm always grateful for that for sure. Yeah. And, and I have to say, like, I'm blown away when you said you lose, lost 35 pounds. Because you can't afford to lose five pounds. (laughs) And, I mean, you're a pretty lean individual. And I can't imagine you, like, skin and bones, you know. But uh, kudos to you for recognizing, you know, I I, I need uh, help that I can't find inside myself. I need a little help here. So you you get to inpatient Mm -hmm. and and how does that go and how how is that as you go into that? I was – well, initially, it was kind of seeing, like, when I was admitted, they had a nurse come in, and they kind of read off, like, this questionnaire of, you know, levels of depression, anxiety, kind of like suicidal ideation, things of that, and I scored the worst in all aspects of that, and um, the magnet, like, the gravity of it hit me even harder, like, watching your parents, like, listen to your answers and talking to the nurse, and um, it was a lot to process, and... uh Seeing that and kind of understanding the, like, okay, what are we going to do next? How are we going to do this? And um, that's where it kind of, like, hit me, like, you know, see them, like, walk down the hall leaving. Um, That's when I was, like, you know, I started crying. And then, like, these nurses were, like, coming to, like, calm me down. And um, the environment was very scary, Mm -hmm. to say the least. And um, that was just kind of, like, what started me to to go down a whole host of treatment, um, kind of getting medication right, and um, and just meeting other people in that facility is, um, you can get like a sociology degree, I swear, just from like understanding people, like they're people with, you know, they're dealing with, you know, whatever it is that they're dealing with, but they just look like regular people that you would see just sitting calmly at a, you know, at a coffee shop reading the paper or you know, just some guy sitting at a stoplight and just kind of just like, hey, I'm waiting for green here. Just, I'm just ready to get on with life. And um, that's always, that's when it, like, hit me. Like, it doesn't matter, like, um, what your circumstances are. It's like things happen. You know, our environment can really be, um, you can be shaped by it, to say the least. And um, that's definitely what was, what happened to me. Well, and it's such a great point because regardless of if it's something you have to work on in up here, mm-hmm. if it's an addiction, it, whatever, your hurdle, your personal hurdle that you're dealing with, uh, those things don't discriminate. And I saw it uh, I in rehab, you know, like mm-hmm. there's everybody from professional athletes to house wives to you know the 17 year old who had been on that track since birth Mm -hmm. every different type of person there and you just don't know there's always a meme going around like be kind to other people because you don't know the battles they're fighting or, or something along those lines and and that's pretty much what you're hitting on right now because you know the guy waiting at the stoplight you don't know what's going through his head mm-hmm. and i often right. find myself when uh, somebody's 
driving erratic. Yeah. Uh, and right. in the first minute, I might be like, what the? And then I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. His mo- wife might be having a kid. He might, you know, I don't know what that situation is. And I try to right. be a little bit more empathetic. And and that's where, where you're at at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, uh, okay, I'm here, but. You know, I, I want. I, I'm a community person. Camaraderie is important. Right. You know, and, and getting to know people is important. So you're hearing other people's stories. How long was your initial stay in in there? So the first time um, I was there, two separate visits. Um, the first time I was there, like a typical stay, they'll tell me is five to ten days. Like that's like max. And then there's other, like there's other levels of that you can like if it's a prolonged stay. There's different floors of the hospital they'll move you to. Um, because of a, in a, a suicide attempt, I was there uh, the better part of a month and uh, was getting kind of like my medication straightened out, and um, it was just a lot for me to process, and um, it's very overwhelming, mm-hmm. to say the least. And, um, you know, you're just, you're just like, you're there. You're constantly kind of being asked every 20, 30 minutes, are you okay? Is everything Okay. Like that type of uh, that human interaction, the human interaction aspect of it is fantastic. The the reason behind that interaction is not this. It's a lot to process. Mm-hmm. And um, I I remember just playing. I would play checkers or chess with just other people there, and then they would just you know just kind of talk kind of freely, like how we are now, just kind of like about their life. Oh, I worked for GM for 25 years, and you know I was you know very active and. Everything kind of went downhill because of X, Y, and Z, and, you know, here I am. And um, they're like, they were surprised at how young I was being in there. I was 19 at the time, and, um, yeah, definitely met, like, people that I still, I still think about these people every day, and um, the people that, the nurses that took care of me and that whole atmosphere, it's very, um, it's not something I dwell on, but it's something that it's, like, it's good to acknowledge and kind of, like, okay, like, I, I went through that, and, um I had a fantastic support team. My parents came and visited me at the hospital every day, and um, and that was a hike because my dad at the time worked in Detroit, and Detroit to Ann Arbor is a it's a long way. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, which it just that that was everything I needed to see, um, and that was my motivation to get out and to and to get better. Now you said the first time that you were in there, mm-hmm. so the second time. Um, First time, were you going through the motions? Did you think you wouldn't be back? Were you just trying to get through it and get out of there? Yeah. Because um, I, I, I ran into that. You know, first time in rehab, I did everything right, made everybody happy, but I didn't get what I needed mm-hmm. at that time. Um, we're coming down to the end of the segment, but how was that for you, that first time in there? Yeah, it was, um, I was, you know, I was getting like my, I was stabilized through medication and that, um, that helped me significantly and just kind of like, just getting kind of to a neutral zone. And, um, it was really like, because my, because of the anorexia and getting diagnosed with it there, my weight was so low, which also prolonged my stay. Mm. And I had some vitamin deficiencies and, um, I just needed, I needed to put on weight, like just plain and simple. And, um, that's what really prolonged the stay, and um, so I got out uh, first week of March of 2015, and um, I was like, I can't do these meds anymore, and the, and kind of stopped at cold turkey, which is not, it's, which is ill-advised, and ended up going back in because of that, and kind of like stabilizing the moods. I was there for another week, and then I was later discharged. Um, so it was a very, um, 
just coming full circle, like being in that kind of on and off, it was, um, it's a lot to process. It uh, really is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it at 19. Yeah. I had a hard enough time doing it at, you know, 40 something. But, um, you know, we're going to get into what happened after you got out and the wonderful things you're doing now because, uh, I mean, you're an amazing human. You've been through it. You you come out the other side uh, a wonderful person. We're going to talk more about that in the next segment. And I want to thank you guys for hanging out. I know you're on the edge of your seat because I am. I got goosebumps on my whole body, and I talk about that a lot. So um, thank you guys so much. Make sure to share this with anybody. Everybody, because it will make an impact in their life. And tune in to segment three with my man Kyle Rara. And uh, just Happy New Year, y'all. Dude, your story is.